Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, and I'm very near death. We'll get to that later. So joining us is Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. You know, I'm feeling healthy and vibrant. It's great to be here. <laughs> joining us all the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm also all better. Well, must be nice. Glenn, do you do you feel we can go on? You want to? I assume we'll just touch on this real quick and then get to the wisdom. But this is what's happening: is I'm I'm sick. I have uh, what is uh, basically a head cold, but might be some sort of devastating disease that's about to kill me. Okay, we don't know for sure one way or another, but what we do know for sure is that I'm handling it with a lot of bravery. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? You know, like one of those things where you see on the TV where it's like an inspirational story. Oh, right. you brave, brave boy. You yes. know, where they, they, the guy overcomes things and, right. and they have the music playing in the background. Is this right. where the quarterback comes out and they have like a jersey printed with Fitzgerald on the back of it and stuff? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm being right now is I'm being an inspiration. Okay, okay. Because... Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm I'm doing I'm doing this drug free. Wow! I was, I was about to note oh, that you whoa. talk about you know you're taking it very well, but you sounded a lot less spry than uh, Lee sounded last week when he was sick. Uh, yeah, can I can, I, can is there any way that I can just interrupt and and I, you're doing it right now? As a matter of fact, I've, I feel like I feel like what you just said was something that you said directed at me. I felt like it was derogatory. I okay. felt like. I felt like you were. I felt like you were swinging at me, and the only thing that I can say in response to that is that I want to right now declare an emergency. Oh what? my goodness! Wow, an emergency that coming. It's an emergency. Yeah. All I, right, I'm, Lee, you have the floor. Talk. I'm declaring an emergency because it felt like. I, I mean, I know that when we do this podcast, we try to do this with a lot of brotherly love. We're trying sure. to have camaraderie. We we're don't succeed, to be this, but we try. We're just trying to be on the same page. We're trying right. to do this. With a, a good Christian love, totally. Yeah. And uh, and look, all I'm saying is, a couple weeks ago, I was really sick, and uh, you know, nobody was like, Lee, we're so sorry for you, man. Uh, and then I w- I shared that my doctor had given me steroids. Right, right. And now when you're well, saying, well, you did use air quotes when you said doctor every time, which I found suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm saying is now Glenn is sick, right, and I. And I don't know if air quotes are appropriate at this time, but all I'm saying is now you made a big point to say I'm doing this drug free, right. which feels like uh, that feels like uh, it feels like a barb at me. It feels like you're right. it feels like you're shooting me with your words, right? Saying that I'm somehow less brave than you because my doctor gave me steroids. Absolutely. Yeah, Glenn. What do you mean by that? Let me respond by saying that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> You've read the answered. You've read the situation correctly. Here's what it, I'm saying. It feels like what you're saying is that you have like the moral high ground on yes. how to handle sickness. Correct. And you're telling and you're telling the the whole internet that I don't handle sickness with the kind of with the with just the kind of integrity that you do. Thank you. I'm glad that you admitted it because uh that's that's exactly what we're dealing with here is <laughs> Uh, I'm just, what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm sick and, 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 you know, possibly could die in the middle of this podcast. We don't know. It'll be our highest rated episode ever. Medical science doesn't have all the answers (laughs) y'all. Right. Okay. Right. But I'm, what I'm doing is I'm being brave about it. Sure. Sure. I could take all kinds of steroids and be on the juice. Right. (laughs) But I, I'm not, man. Right. You, just, you could be riding the pregnant zone pony. I, right. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm being brave. See. Well, I just like to ask, you know, because we've had, you know, it's been a rough year with allegations of performance enhancing substances and right. you know allegations. So I want to ask: um, Are you claiming you say you're doing this drug free? Is that um, steroid free or all drugs free? Well, I mean. You know, what are we even talking about? I guess what I'm asking, Mr. Fitzgerald, is would you uh, drop positive for NyQuil? NyQuil? Well, I don't... I'm not... uh, At this time, 
Uh, I would like to say, um, I may or may not have. I can neither confirm nor deny. I see that uh, 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 these allegations. You're saying it's possible that your trainer might have given you some Nyquil, but you had no knowledge of it at the time. Well, I think it's important for us to point out here that uh, Nyquil is not on the National Podcasting League list of banned substances. Mm. <laughs> well, there you go. So I, I feel that I shouldn't have to answer these questions. Okay. Also, okay. it gives reason why Glenn is drinking Nyquil out of a martini glass right now. He's <laughs> <laughs> really be savoring it. Look, the, and besides, there's no proof that I, I that I've taken any Nyquil anyway. Right. So how could that even pertain to anything? Right, right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, we're creating a, a truth in podcast performance committee. If you feel you have evidence uh, that Uncle Glenn Fitzgerald has taken NyQuil in connection with this podcast, we're asking you to step forward and, and please share your stories with us. And again, remember, it's for the children. Right. Here's the question I have for you is, are you saying that are you, are you saying that my the wisdom that I've thrown down on this podcast in the past is somehow tainted? Like I should have an right. asterisk beside those episodes or right. something? Because yeah. you were juicing. Yeah. You were, you were all hopped up on steroids. Whereas right now, I'm in a semi-hallucinogenic state because of my high fever. But, does, but this, I, does this mean that your wisdom is somehow more purely attained from the Holy Spirit than, but, than the yes. stuff that I'm throwing down? Exactly, because I what I'm now doing is going into a semi-fugue state <laughs> where it's just the wisdom is just coming through me, man. All right. So I'm, I'm working with it, see? Okay, well, it's important that we point out, there are those of you who aren't around, that actually here in uh, Chicago, in our in Mission USA organization, there's a very strict sickness protocol, mm. which is when Glenn is sick, no one else is allowed to be sick. Yes. Right. Because okay. all the sympathy for sickness has to go to Glenn. That's correct. It goes the same way with tiredness. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. If Glenn is tired, no one else is allowed to be tired. That's correct. Because then you will get a very um, kind of dad who grew up in the 50s speech about how you don't even know what tired is. <laughs> exactly right. That's correct. <laughs> he walked uphill to school both ways. In the snow. Sure. You know, fought off woodland creatures with his number two pencil. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and just so, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, occasionally, we exaggerate during the emergencies. Sure. What they call the comedic effect. Sure, mm. sure, sure. Now, it's not funny, but we do it for the comedic effect. Right, right, right. So, I just want to share an actual email that Glenn sent the three of us with an actual text he sent his wife on the day he got sick. Right. And I read this quote. This is Glenn texting his wife, officially sick, took NyQuil, so text instead of call as I may lose consciousness presently. <laughs> mm. Maybe pick up some lozenges and whatever other voodoo might help. Experiencing <laughs> fever, body aches, coughing, possibly near death, may not pull through, <laughs> handling it with exceptional bravery and detached stoicism. Mm. Tell my wife and kids I love them. Yes. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Well, Glenn, here's my something I just want to put out there, right. you know, because I don't want to be an alarmist. You know, sure. you, you began by saying, you know, you have what's almost certainly just a, a head cold, but right. I've been watching a lot of zombie movies lately. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Uh -huh. and, and here's the thing it's possible, I just want uh -huh. to put it out there, that uh, you are infected with some sort of zombifying agent. Okay. Right. And you're experiencing the initial effects. Right. And the thing I just want to say to you is if you, two things. Right. If you feel the need to go, you know, to turn zombie in mm -hmm. the middle of this episode, yeah. you go right ahead. Okay. Because we, we got your back. Right. But thing two on that is when you start looking around this room for where do I want to begin right. looking for delicious, delicious brains. Right, right. right. I just want to lodge the thought right now. I think Matt has the kind of cranial matter you crave in your freshly zombified state. We just all know that. Just want to counterpoint <laughs> that and say that I have a degree from a large state university that's not particularly well regarded. Right. And it took me five years to get it. Point well taken. Jed, on the other hand, has an electrical engineering degree from a prestigious private university that I believe is number one in several kind of rankings. So if we're talking brains, let's talk brains. Well, I think it's fascinating, and I may be hallucinating this now, <laughs> But I think it's great that we started a podcast where we would have an open debate over whose brain I would eat <laughs> if I was a zombie. 
because that's an yeah. important matter to discuss. All roads led to this, and it was kind of inevitable. I like how you think that's the craziest thing we've talked about. <laughs> well, I think in my mind, Jed's brain would be more of like a dark chocolate. Sure. You know what I mean? Okay. Sure. Very rich. Rich. Sort Refined. of a, you know, there's a It's sort of a bitter, but with the sweet. is Slightly more you know, mature taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I think with Matt, it's more of a salted caramel. <laughs> sure. sure. You know? Sure. So it's really just like you it's two know, great tastes taste great together. Yeah, exactly. I I don't well, know. I that also I'd... think that, and this has to be said, as we've pointed out several times in the podcast. For I'm not married, right. so no one's fixed my brain yet. Oh, that's true. My brain's running wild and uh, ineffectual, and not actually functioning. Your brain might taste a little gamey. Sure, <laughs> but there's another way of looking. <laughs> all, at all this. All the people in the South just lost their minds <laughs> yeah, with, yeah. with joy over a that little, little thing. Yeah, a little gamey. <laughs> there's another way of looking at this, though. Matt's brain is free range. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's right. It has been tamed. That's Organic what I'm talking brain. about. Your your brain is so been you, caged. So you would compare being being married to being a livestock in a factory farming situation? No, I would not, because that would be wrong. <laughs> uh, just just wanted to get that on the record. There, <laughs> I'm against that. No, but what the main thing is, whether I be infected with a, a zombifying agent and am about to die and then be reanimated as, you know, a zombie you know, Glenn. Zombie Glenn. Sure. Uh, uh, I, and let me just say this right now, in for the sake of brotherhood, that I would eat either of your brains. Okay. Sure. And if Lee was here, I would eat his brain too. It's sure. not like I it's would good just to be say, inclusive. I I wouldn't just say only one of you, and then that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? I I you know you, you just go to town. Yeah, I'd make sure everybody. You know what I mean? You're gonna sure. spread the love. Yeah, because you know, uh, that's that's just the kind of zombie that I would be. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a rude zombie. You know, I'm trying to be Christian about it. You know, what I mean? absolutely. <laughs> I'm not, you know, the, uh, you know, it, 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 it's no excuse just because you're a zombie. Now, my, sure. that's what my grandmother always said. Sure. Hey, I don't care if you're a zombie. You know, you, 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 now, you, you tuck your shirt in before you go to church. I don't care if you're sure. the living dead or not. You sure. know Glenn's I mean? grandmother did believe pretty passionately in Bigfoot. So this may have been something she actually said at some point. Well, okay. But this one, I'm, that's actually not a joke, but okay. <laughs> no, but this is what I'm trying to say now is uh, I think our listeners, people listening right now, maybe they're looking for inspiration. Okay. Okay. Like, I'm going through a tough time. Maybe I'm about to turn into a zombie. It could be. Sure. Okay. How are they going to be inspired? Well, they can look to me because I'm handling this spectacularly i'm just being cool about it you know like hey i don't want extra attention just because i'm sick sure it's not like that it's not like hey everyone pay attention to me let's have an emergency about me no i'm sick let's all talk about that that's not that's not the kind of person i am no i just bravely persevere it's that bravery that inspires that's thank you yeah 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 i like that so that's so you're welcome internet yeah now, yeah. now everybody that's listening to this right now is like, you know what? My problems ain't that big. Yeah. Because I, I'm not a zombie. Sure. So, you know. <laughs> sure. It, you know, I, I, there's still hope for me. Glenn could turn into a zombie at any minute, and yet there he is podcasting away. Okay. That's the kind of bravery I want to exemplify in my own life and decision making. Exactly right. Okay. Okay. That's right. Mm. Well, in light I'm of inspired. the fact, in, in light of the fact that you are inspiring us all, in light of the fact that you have taken the moral high ground, in light of the fact that if you do turn into a zombie, there's 10 hours worth of, of <laughs> high-speed interstate in between us, lots right. of brains for you to eat on the way, I think it's safe for me to go ahead and declare emergency off. Emergency off. Now, just to be clear, does that emergency off, does that have an asterisk next to it? Wow. Ouch. Wow, that's <laughs> cool. You know, Jed, that... that it, I, I tried to declare emergency off so we could have peace and sure. brotherhood and start the wisdom for the people. And you 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 hurt me on purpose. I'm now, hurtful. Now we can't be reopening the emergency after it's closed. Sure, it's true. Closed it. We have to. So if somebody wanted to ask a question like, what what's the motivation behind Lee saying that children should use steroids? Which is what I heard him say. Right. <laughs> but we can't reopen that because the and emergency this is closed. This this is a witch hunt. Let me okay? tell you what. 
If there's anything that's true about this podcast, it strictly obeys parliamentary procedure. Sure, without okay. Robert's Rules of Orders, what are we? That's what I'm Zombies. Trying. That's <laughs> where we're all going to be zombies in here. Can Simon Pegg make a movie of zombie parliament? Because I would Dude. watch that. I would definitely watch that. Wow, I would watch that. Okay. As you may have heard us talk about last week, we want to visit this real quick. You guys have heard us talk about our bridge box service. You get songs, sermons, Bible studies, lots of cool stuff, all for $8 a month. That money goes to support the ministry we do in Chicago. We're hiring some, actually some of the guys and gals who come to our service, who we've raised up to do some little part-time jobs here and there for our helps the ministry run better and they get a little money in their pocket. So it's all incredibly positive and that's we're able to do that because of your support of Bridgebox. So it's missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. If you sign up from now until the end of the year, you will get a free download of the six song Bridgebox Christmas EP. Woo! It's got songs uh, from Lee, songs from Jed, songs from our friends Haley and Zach. Uh, we got a lot of original songs, some uh, kind of redone hymns. A musical appearance by the one and only Uncle Glenn Fitzgerald. On the and when, slot, and when on he the recorded it, guitar. and when he recorded that part, he was not taking any performance-enhancing drugs. That's correct. He was near death, though. That's correct. It's definitely working out. So you can, if I was you actually sick when we recorded yeah. that. That's said, weird, isn't it? Every year, like clockwork. Yeah. It, maybe it has something to do with the fact that the sun's only out for two hours a day and it's seven degrees outside. Yeah, that's, there <laughs> you go. to say. But, uh, so if you sign up for uh, missionusa.com slash bridgebox, or if you want the official Lee Younger branded bridgebox, every month you get new song from Lee and some other goodies from him and some stuff he handpicks out of our normal bridgebox. So that's missionusa.com slash BBLY. You can sign up there for $8 a month. We get a little bit of that money. A lot of it goes to support what Lee does there in Tennessee. So you can get, and you'll get the same EP. If you want to sign up for both, you can email me at matt at missionusa.com. I'll send you a special link to get both for $12. The only way to get this Bridgebox EP is to be a Bridgebox subscriber. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, have a lookout in your email inbox because that is headed towards you soon. All right, we're going to head, move on. <coughs> to <our first> <coughs> <question> here. <coughs> hey, I'm, yeah. no, hey, I'm no hero. Sure. Because okay? what's a hero? Okay, I hear of someone who doesn't cough on the windscreen of the mic that other people use. <laughs> Point well taken. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to move on to our first email here. If you stick with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with this. This comes into our email address with Kent from our friend Kenneth. It says, there's this guy who rolls up on campus every couple of months to, in quotes, preach. He sets up in the amphitheater, then starts yelling, draws a big old crowd, then begins to berate them with all sorts of insults, pointing specific people out and calling them things like whore, blasphemer, and mm -hmm. this is a direct quote he called, who he called my friend. Yeah, this is redacted because I can't in good conscience read this out on the air, but it's unpleasant. Never, one, never once mentioning anything about Jesus loving you in spite of all that. I'm at the point of rolling up in his face and laying a smack down with my hero's replica katana, oh. which I'm sure assume people who watch TV more than I do understand that reference. Sure. Okay, that worked. And maybe that's what needs to happen because I'm sick of all his stuff, killing the reputation of Jesus on this campus. So I'm, I am on the, that is on the verge of a beautiful awakening amongst the students. The thing is, he can quote way more scripture than me and will not listen to anyone who tries to derail him. How do we deal with this dude? Jed, can you kick us off? Well, my friend, I appreciate your heart, and I appreciate your note. There's a phrase that is kind of a, an old-timey uh, phrase that you don't hear very often, but if there's one thing that I'd encourage you to think about, I think it would help a lot in your life moving forward and being a good witness. It's the phrase, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Let me break down what that means. People maybe in your grandparents' generation would use that phrase, I'm not going to dignify that with a response. And what they meant is that when someone did or said something that was just foolish, it, it, there wasn't a positive element anywhere in it, it wasn't um, helping anyone, it was just really just a vulgar cry for attention. Uh, what they understood is that if you respond in any way to that thing, then you give that person exactly what they wanted all along, which is attention. And that by giving it that attention, you've actually, you've said, you know, I think you have a point in there. 
somewhere. We were talking about this on a recent episode that if you walk down the street and there's a guy, um, you know, yelling into a megaphone that the Martians are about to attack, you know not to take him seriously. You don't waste any time thinking about maybe I need to go buy a telescope and watch. You, you know, it's just nonsense. But I think part of the fascination with a dude, and do we get this guy's name, the Apostle or whatever he calls yeah. himself? Um, part of the fascination with kind of the fire and brimstone preacher is I think there's part of a lot of people that thinks maybe as a point. And if you want to lead the way uh, forward, that is to make it clear by ignoring him that he doesn't have a point, uh, that there's just nothing there. It's just it's just a big bowl of nothing. Um, you mentioned that, you know, he, he knows way more Bible than you. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, we, all of us on this podcast, have actually worked um, in and around mental health facilities where people with really profound lifelong problems um, uh, are for oftentimes long periods of time. There are people who um, have had psychotic breaks from reality, who need to be in long-term managed care for the rest of their lives, who know the Bible word for word, yeah. inside and out. That, yeah. that doesn't mean anything. Also um, in the lockup, too, dude. Also in the lockup, dude. There are there are brothers in county jail who know that Bible chapter and verse every page. Even right. some um, of them can't even read, and they know the whole thing. That's exactly right. That that just doesn't mean anything. Um, and of course, um, what Glenn often says, and he's right, is the Bible. Uh, the, the devil knows every word of that Bible. Right. It, it hasn't helped him at all. But I think we have to decide. This is one more. This is more of a cliched phrase, but it's an old one and it's a good one. We have to decide whether we're going to light a candle or curse the darkness. Right. And Christians are really bad at that. Again, the decision is: uh, we're in rough shape. Do we light a candle or do we curse the darkness? To the extent that you go and interface with this dude, you're just cursing the darkness. You're just you're talking about this dude's bad and let's talk about how bad he is. And that's actually not helping anyone. Um, your your friends all sense this dude is full of it. No one is looking at this guy going, you know, that's the kind of pastor I'd like to have in my life. <laughs> no, no one's thinking that. The, the most response, if you can dig it, if it were me, the most response that I would offer this guy is if I had a friend who said, hey, did you hear the dudes over and yelling and say, yeah, whatever, man, it's not like that. And then just move on with, with your day. Uh, let's talk about the lighting a candle part for a second because that's really important. You mentioned that your campus, and I want to get your quote right here, this campus is on the verge of a beautiful awakening amongst the students. Well, that's great, and that's the thing to focus on. So that's all about, um, he, he said that the dude who's preaching is calling people um, whores and blasphemers and whatnot. Here's what Jesus did with whores and blasphemers as he hung out with them. Um, he didn't call them whores, he didn't call them blasphemers, he was just their friend. Uh, he, he, he went and hung out with them and broke bread with them and talked with them and loved them. And if you want to see that beautiful awakening on your campus kind of fully take root, that's the thing to do is um, go to where the whores of the blasphemers are and love them the way that Jesus did. Um, and let this guy be a non-issue. That's, that's the most important thing I can tell you on this is to let him be a non-issue. If you respond to every bit of bad doctrine, every taunt, every weird thing that comes your way as a Christian, you will never accomplish anything good. Let me repeat that because it's really important. If you waste your time responding to every jaunt, and jeer every um, you know bad idea, every crazy person with a megaphone, every provocateur um, that comes along, you'll never do anything good for the kingdom. And if you can dig it, that's what most of suburban Christianity in America is stuck on, um, is that problem right there, feeling like, first, we've got to respond to all the bad stuff, and then we'll move on to something good. But you don't have to do that. You can light a candle instead of cursing the darkness. You can go find the whores and blasphemers and just love them the way that Jesus loved them. And I bet you'll see that beautiful awakening happen more and more. That's a great point, Glenn. Yeah, I agree with all that. And here's the thing that I would say on it is we have a saying in our inner city ministry that whatever the devil does to attack, that he always uh, leaves a point of leverage there, or maybe the, maybe it's more accurate to say the Lord always ensures that there's a point of leverage to turn that same attack into a benefit. Yeah. That whatever the devil does, whatever he tries, there's a point where we can flip that around, and it's actually for our benefit. It's for, it, it would it would 
increase the kind of ministry quality that you'd be able to achieve on that campus. That's what you're looking for. If you're if you're doing anything else, you you know, try is exactly as Jed's saying, trying to contend with this person and argue with them. That's what a lot of Christians think of. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. And you know, that's exactly what the devil's trying to set up here. Nobody thinks this guy is a good Christian. Nobody thinks what this guy is preaching is actual Christianity. You ask right. any person out there in the world, what is what what, what did Jesus preach? They will say Jesus preached love and forgiveness. So that's it, you know. They recognize this guy's a weirdo. Uh, so that that, that uh, a battle's already been lost in terms of him convincing anybody of anything. That's, there's no chance of him doing that. The devil isn't trying to get this guy to convince people on your campus to believe in what he's preaching. The, the battle here is to get you to stop reaching the students and start talking to the one weirdo. Amen. So yeah. as long as you have it in your mind to forget about the weirdo and focus on the students, you've already won that battle. You're, you're already ahead of the game. He's he's not, you know, ruining anything. Uh, second of all, I would say that, that, that I like the contrast. You know, I like someone saying a bunch of, stuff that's just evil and wrong and bad and whatever because it it creates a question is that really christianity is this really what this is all about what why is this guy saying this stuff is this stuff really in the bible by provoking those questions and getting people asking about it you give yourself a chance to you know uh, explain what christianity really is all about i i like the idea of creating a little bit of contrast here i like the idea of of someone uh, going to some bizarre extreme so that you could say, uh, here's what we're on, and you can see how different it is uh, from all the rest of this stuff. Because uh, I think there is a lot of concern on, on a lot of college campuses of people saying, hey, look, I like Jesus. That that dude seemed real cool. Uh, then I you know, hear about what all these different individual churches are on, and that seems like a long, long ways from what jesus was on so while i can hang with jesus all the rest of this i'm not so sure about well if you set yourself apart saying no we're actually more with what jesus was saying in in a more straight and direct way and we are not down with this sort of weird manifestation cultural manifestation that i think that's good um here's the bottom line i'm going to draw for you in all this what this guy is not preaching is grace He's yeah. not preaching grace. And the truth is there's lots and lots and lots and lots of churches out there that aren't preaching grace either. Right. They're preaching some other form of guilt manipulation, some sort of whatever. They're going to, they, you know, these are the people who are saying that they're hard on sin. Yeah. You know, that's where they're really going to, you know, we're, we're tough on sin. You know, look, if you got sin in your life, it's already kicking your behind. That's, you're already aware of that. You, you're ready to get set free, right? What you need to do is figure out how to preach grace. If you yeah. preach grace, that's going to create a massive contrast between you and every other voice out there, every other Christian voice, every every other religious voice, every other political voice out there, every other everything. Grace is what makes us unique. That's yes. the cornerstone, the foundation of our faith. If you put grace out front of everything you do, everything you say, everything that you're about – You'll draw people in, and even if they're not ready to make that commitment today, even if they don't know what to do with that, you'll plant that seed that this is what Christianity is, and there, some weird dude saying anything, whatever, cannot touch that kind of influence. Absolutely, Lee. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think <clears> – <throat> I think these guys have pretty much covered it all. I, I do – I do want to circle back around to that, you know, right at the end of your question, you're saying the the thing is he can quote all this scripture. And I think Jed's right when he when he's kind of saying that that when you hear that, when you it looks like he has this credential and, and there's a there's a question in the back of your mind of is he right? Um, the way Jed said it was, does he have a point? In other words, like, is this guy is this guy legit because he has this <clears throat> because he has all this biblical knowledge? And one thing that I want to say is there's a place in Luke chapter seven where um, there was there were these people that were upset with Jesus and they were upset with John the Baptist. They were upset with everything that God was doing. 
And, uh, and Jesus pointed out, he said, look, John the Baptist came in this way and y'all didn't like him. I came in the other way. Y'all didn't like, y'all don't like me either. And then he said this great thing. He said, but wisdom is proved right by her children. In other words, when you see somebody's ministry, look at the result of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to tell you, uh, whether or not it's legit. You don't look at, you don't look at somebody's degrees. You don't look at their credentials. You don't look at their, uh, skills or their talents or anything like that. You, if you want to find out if somebody's an effective leader in, in a, in a ministry situation, you look behind them and you see, is anybody following them? You, you, you look at the result of the ministry that they are doing. Are people getting set free? Like Glenn's talking about, are people coming to love Jesus? Are they understanding what it, what it means to walk with the Lord? We, with the, the, the prison ministry that we do here, there are uh, a certain groups that come from a different part of our state and they're, they're from these really, you know, as they call it, these really kind of hardcore fundamental, uh, you know, Christian groups. And they're, they're all so hung up on the King James version of the Bible. And that's their whole thing. And I mean, they literally will ask us when we come, like when they're coming out of their chapel service, when we're standing in the, in the corridor about to go in, they'll ask us what Bible are we carrying in there? And you're like, dude, stop. You know, and he's like, it's an NIV, isn't it? One time we had a guy actually walk back into the trap, walk back into the room and tell our guys, these guys are coming in to lie to you. But here's the thing about that is that when we walked into that room that day, we walked into that room that day and all of our guys are sitting around the table and y'all, they were so upset. They were so agitated. They were so angry. They felt so they, they they felt so put upon. They felt they felt like they had been in a fight for forty five minutes, mm. and within ten minutes we had them um, relaxed, laughing. We were telling stories, we were we were telling jokes, we we're messing messing around, telling you know just just talking with them. And and about twenty minutes in, one of these guys just said, "Y'all, you, when y'all come in, I just feel relaxed and I feel loved on." And that's the whole thing is right. that when you, when you love people and you look at the result of the thing, that's why Jesus said that. Wisdom is proved right by our children. In other words, look at the result of what you're doing. That's how you find out what's legit and what's Amen. not. Is you look at, the, at how is the thing rolling out? What, the people that have been ministered to, how do they feel? How do they react? How do they, how do they walk forward through their stuff? That's an excellent point. I'll throw a tack right on the end here. Uh, Jed started this off with an old saying, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to top him with an even older one. Only a fool has a fool's argument. Here's the thing. Jed pointed out, and it's important to say here, you can't win arguing with really anybody, but especially nut bars. Because yeah. Yeah. here's the thing. All a crazy person has to do, and people who've been to seminary, hear me. People who like John Piper, hear me. If you lay out your perfectly researched... Greek, sound, taught theological argument, all the other person has to say to totally negate it is, nah, <laughs> right. And now you're back on equal plane. Exactly right. You're not going to convince this dude of anything. And right. I will also uh, curl it up with this idea of he's ruining the name of Jesus. People, the name of Jesus is famous. It's fine. You yeah. don't need to defend it. Right. You don't need to make it more famous. Jesus is fine. Christians have an utterly jacked up reputation, which, as we pointed out, is best repaired on an individual by individual basis. Yeah, yeah that's so right. You don't need to relax. get down on all fours and bark back at the junkyard dog. Exactly. I, none of us can put it any better than that, so we're going to move on. This next question came in to our Tumblr from our friend Maggie. It says... You guys are very experienced with interacting with people who are carrying heavy burdens and encouraging them with God's word. So I know I can turn to you for advice on how to reach out to others for Jesus. How exactly do I talk to people who have been victims of devastations such as that of a super typhoon? Super typhoon? As of now, it's still food, water, and shelter they need the most, but I'm sure they also need someone to talk as to as an outlet for their emotions. How do I lift them up with God's word without being preachy or insensitive to the grief they are currently going through? My friends and I might be in direct contact with these people soon, so we want to prepare ourselves. Glenn, can you kiss off? Absolutely. And uh, and this comes in uh, from our Manila super fans. Yes. Nice. And these are the, the most 
amazing Christian ladies of all time in the universe. We're getting on their good side now because apparently they're all just going to straight up run the world at some point. Absolutely right. Uh, and the, we want to be on their good side, you know. So, yeah, and, uh, and, and uh, as, as uh, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, uh, uh, the Philippines was hit with that uh, super typhoon. Uh, and I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Jed and I are both from the Gulf Coast uh, region of the states here, and we've lived through a ton of uh, hurricane-type stuff and tornado stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we've we've seen the kind of devastation that those kind of storms can can dish out, and yeah. and uh, and and been through that stuff, and we know it's tough. Um. Uh, but you you raise some really uh, good questions here. Of you know, we we got people really going through pain. We got them going through struggles. What do we say? To, what do we do? Here's the first thing we're going to focus on. We're not going to preach. There's just going to be zero preaching okay. all yeah. across the board. People don't need a sermon right now. That's just not what they need. Uh, they don't need you or I or anybody else to come in there with a clever word that just explains it all. That word doesn't exist and that situation is not what they're looking for. They may ask for it because they may say, hey, you know, what's the meaning of it all? What's the explanation for it all? And the thing is that, as we've talked about in previous podcasts, you you can't really understand the tragedy when you're going through it. It's just not, that's just not how these things work. And so sometimes we have to say those really painful words, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I say that stuff every day. Everybody else in this podcast says that every day. Bec and, and sometimes I'll say that even when I've got a pretty good idea. Because it's not about trying to answer to what does it all mean. It's really about how are we going to get out of this? Okay. What are we going to do to survive this thing? What are we going to do to endure this thing and, and overcome it? We'll get we'll, The answers will come in due time. But the, the question is, are we going to have our sanity and, and our sanctification in, in, intact when that point comes? So um, it, it's really important that we focus on just loving on people just yeah. being sweet to them and helping them out give them a sympathetic uh ear I, and i think that's the next thing I, I focus on is let let people vent let people say if someone stands in front of you and says i there can be no god because if there was a god he would stop this from happening and so there's no god whatever you can pet them on the shoulder and say i'm sorry that you feel that way doesn't mean that you're agreeing with them. It doesn't mean that you, and they know that that's not how this whole theology thing really works. But you could say, I know it would, I know why it seems like that. And I know that if I was in your position, I'd feel the same way. And let that be it. Cause when we're venting, we're venting. We're not, you know, we're not making a theological argument we're not having a debate right. of some kind we're not making a proposal of a fully thought out and well-reasoned uh, position here we're <laughs> venting and when you vent you say things you don't really really mean but you're saying that to get to what's underneath and if you don't let people vent then you don't don't get to what's underneath and you're not really being any kind of help so when we're in the venting stage of this thing just let people go nuts. Let them say whatever they need to say. Let it all just come out. Uh, and then we can be in a position to speak to the stuff that's underneath that's really bothering them. And that leads me to the last thing I would say on this is uh, in, in our ministry, we talk about uh, don't change the channel on people. And what we mean by that is if, if somebody is sad, you don't go in there and say, hey, just be happy. Uh, that's trying to kind of take where they're at and just tell them to not be on that. <laughs> that doesn't work. That's not how, that's not good ministry. If they're sad, we want to get into that with them. We, you know, let's be sad together. Let's mourn this thing. Let's be upset about it. It bothers you. It bothers me. You want to vent about it? Go ahead. We're going to let them vent. Then we can work the transition. Once we really get out, you know, get into this thing, what's going on, then we can say, all right, we've, we've cried our tears, we've vented our thing, we've said our piece. Now we got to, you know, we got to dry our eyes, we got to, you know, pull up our britches, and we got to 
move forward here. We got to figure out what goes next. Uh, so, you know, working that transition by starting where they're at, getting down in their level, and then helping them transition forward is really key. So a lot of this has to do with, and I'm just going to close with this. A lot of this is about following the emotional instincts I bet you already have. Yeah. Not trying to spiritualize it, but recognizing you've probably got an instinct already to um, be sympathetic and listen and understand and use that as a way of transitioning that towards something more solid. That's a great point. Lee? Um, I, I love all the stuff that, that, <coughs> that Glenn just said there. And, and, uh, and by the way, for anybody who has to has to help a friend walk through something that's difficult. Um, just rewind, you know, the last few minutes and listen to that again. It's excellent stuff. Uh, there's a there's a verse in Proverbs uh, 25 that's exactly what Glenn's talking about. It says, "Like one who this is verse 20 in Proverbs 25, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound, is one who sings songs to a heavy heart." If somebody's going that's through cool. something hard. Um, you don't just tell them to cheer up. You don't sing happy songs to them. You get down in there with in the middle of their pain, and, uh, and you sit down with them and and, and deal with it. Uh, listen to them and everything. I think um, <clears throat> just to kind of take this idea a little bit further, um, I think that one thing that happens is when we start to minister to people, um, and and especially when we're ministering to people who are going through something difficult, is that we can get afraid. Uh, when we hear people vent, it's easy to be afraid. Like, f- especially, let's say that you're, let's say that you're, uh, you're, you're kind of in a counseling situation or you're in a conversation with someone that you've known your whole life and they've walked with Jesus, you, you know, as long as you can remember or something and they know the Lord or whatever. And all of a sudden in the middle of their pain, they're saying all kinds of stuff where they're like, I don't believe in God anymore. And I don't, and Jesus doesn't care about me. And let's be honest about that. That's going to scare you. That that that's going to freak you out a little bit. Um, because all of a sudden you're 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 wondering what does this mean? It, is my friend an atheist now? Is 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 all lost? You know, has, has this person fallen away from the Lord? And I think it's good to know that when you just as a just kind of as a as a preparation when you go into real ministry you know, life on life, you're talking to people about hard stuff in their lives, you're going to hear stuff that that's going to freak you out sometimes and stuff that's going to scare you. And I think it's a good idea to go ahead and get it in your mind and get prepared and pray through this before you go into the situation. Decide, I'm not going to be shocked and I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to let the Lord sort out the stuff that the Lord is going to have to sort out. And my mission right now, as Glenn said, is to listen to this person and be compassionate, to care about them. Uh, There's a place in Galatians chapter six that says to bear one another's burdens. And that's your job in the middle of the situation. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to come up with a great Bible verse for it. Your job is to bear burdens. And so, uh, and, and this, the, the kind of advice that I'm talking about right now, this can help you not only in, an, in the middle of a disaster or a tragedy type situation, but also when you're just kind of ministering to somebody in the middle of their own kind of, uh, you know, if they're going through, you know, they're talking to you about their sins or something like that, confession is the idea that I'm not gonna be shocked by anything and I'm not gonna be afraid. I'm, I'm not going to discount the fact that Jesus is in control and he's working on things in his own timeline. He knows what he's doing and I don't have to fix everything right now. And I think that's the key thing right there is having the mindset when you go into a ministry situation that I don't have to fix this person. The only thing I have to do is to be there for them and to love them, to hear them and to give them a safe place to express themselves give them a safe place to figure out what they're feeling and to sort through that and to say, sure, I understand that you feel that way. Um, uh, you, you know, if you want to talk about that more, I'm here for you. Uh, if you want me to pray for you, I will. If you'd rather not pray, uh, just know I care about you. Your job is not to fix anybody. Your job is to show compassion. Amen. Totally. Judd. Well, you've already heard a ton of good advice, so I'm just going to add two very, very quick things. The first is, and these are connected, and that is words are not the answer. Uh, One of the things that I think Christians get wrong a lot is thinking that the answer to everything is having the right thing to say. Yeah. And it's it's just not. 
Um, we had a, a pastor that was involved with our programs, a good friend of all of ours, a young guy named Bobby, who passed away very unexpectedly. He was in a car crash uh, a few years ago. And the guy that led his funeral services, another pastor, is a great guy, is a friend of all, his named Ted. And um, Ted is as learned of a man as you could ever hope to meet. Um, if you want to talk about a guy that w- has written the book on all the right answers, it's Ted. Um, And he works for a very major denomination, a very important job, runs large parts of a very large denomination. Um, And he's a great dude, and he helps out at the bridge all the time. And he uh, gave uh, the eulogy at Bobby's service, and he started out by saying, why do things like this happen? I don't have any idea. Right. I don't know what to tell you. Right. And what's interesting about that is uh, if there's any person on the earth today who does know why things like this happen, it's Ted. Right. That's his that's his whole thing. Right, right. But what Ted knew in that moment is this isn't about words. Right. This isn't about me having smart stuff to say and giving you the clever answer that ties it all together and puts a bow on top. This is about mourning. Yeah. And mourning is just about hurting and and just letting that happen. And I want to show you that Jesus did the same thing. This is in John chapter 11. This is when Lazarus, who is one of Jesus' best friends, has died. In verse 32, Mary, who is Lazarus's sister, comes and uh, she, I love this, this is so hardcore, she falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now think, this is the first time, really in history, where a person has been able to plead their case directly to God. Right. And say, God, you could have hooked me up, you could have come through for me, you could have and you didn't. What do you have to say to that? Let's read on. When Jesus saw her weeping and the others who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied, and Jesus wept. This moment in human history, which had never happened before and and on this earthly plane will never happen again, someone was able to call God out and say, you could have stopped this awful thing from happening, and you didn't. What do you have to say about that? And you look at what Jesus does, and he doesn't offer an answer for it. He doesn't, this is the God of the universe, who, if there exist clever words, he would have them. Right. And he doesn't doesn't do that. He just mourns with her. Right. He he says, show me where he is, and he weeps. What that means for you is that if the Lord of the universe did not consider it a good idea to try and be the smart guy in that moment, you should not attempt it. Right. But here's what you can do. You can bake cookies. We had another thing. We've had a a number of people pass away in our community in the last little bit. And um, we had a a gal that we were very, very close to as a part of our staff. And when she passed away, there just there weren't any words to say. There there wasn't (laughs) – there still aren't any words to say. Um, It was just an awful, unexpected thing. Um, But we had a lot of people uh, bake cookies. And I'm telling you right now, the cookies helped. Right. Um, and you can you can bake cookies. You, there aren't any right words. There aren't any magic words. And even if they were, God's not going to give them to you because he doesn't want you to do, roll that way. But you can bake cookies. Right. You can bake brownies. You can make a casserole. Um, food helps. Yeah. If yeah. you've got people that are hurting, make some food and take it to them and yeah. sit there and just be with them. Yeah. That's, that's the holiest thing you can possibly do. That's the most godly thing you can possibly do. And believe me when I say that helps. To a grieving person, in my grief, that's made a difference. Yeah. Um, I think for most people, they found it to be true. That helps. Does it fix everything? No. Does it make everything okay? It certainly does not, but it helps. Here's the last thing, and then I'm done. Uh, we have a lot of friends in the Philippines listening to this podcast, and we just want you to know we're so sorry for what you've yeah. been through. Um, we're so sorry. We're, we love you. We're praying for you. Um, we're here for you. We believe in you. Um, if there's anything we can do, specific ways we can be praying, our, our email and, and ask box and everything else are open. Please let us know how we can be lifting you up. But we stand with you. We love you. And we're grieving with you in the midst of this tough time. Amen. Amen. I'll just tack on the end of this real quick. Um, just to go back to the specific question that Maggie asked where she gets, I just want to reiterate to her and everyone listening that she, in this question, she gets just about everything right. She just may yeah. not know how right she is that, yeah. you know. What people need is food, water, and shelter, and someone to listen to. That's all right on, and that's like, you may think that's like fifty uh, percent of what people need. That's right about ninety nine point nine percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, people, a lot of us Christians get this weird idea that meeting physical needs like is kind of cheating. 
if you're not throwing a lot of spiritual stuff on top of that, yeah. I think it was in our last episode, Jed referenced Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about how he will judge what kind of Christian someone says, and it's feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting the lonely. He actually doesn't say anything about anything spiritual. Yeah. Talks only about meeting physical needs, so yeah. there's something there. And uh, the other thing is on listening. I'll just point out that I, I've actually experienced all three of the guys in this podcast who've been doing this work for decades um, do one-on-ones. And to say it's 90% listening may be underselling it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. The ratio of listening to talking and actually kind of counseling someone one-on-one is almost unbelievable if you've never seen it before. So if, if you go to something and you leave feeling like, well, all I did was really, you know, uh, scoop some macaroni and listen to someone tell me how hard it is and I didn't do anything else, that's that's enough. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what we would do. Absolutely. All right, we're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, like many women and prob- probably men in their early 20s, I have strong desires for relationship, marriage, and family, but I'm having mixed feelings, confusions, and some guilt about it all. Imagine where Christians would pick up guilt about something. <laughs> Shouldn't the fact that, one, God values me, and two, shouldn't the love of God be enough? I apologize. Shouldn't the fact that God values me and my family and friends love me be enough? I want to be pursued, loved, and proposed to by a godly man, but shouldn't I be able to find that sort of love in my relationship with God? Lee, can you start us off? I can start us off. Um, the answer is no. Um, uh, thanks for your question, and I, I know that this is a tough place to be, but... Um, what you're talking about is uh, is it's definitely something I've heard Christians say before, but we need to make a, a very strong distinction between two things. One is where you get your sense of self-worth, okay? That's over here on one side. And two, good and healthy, godly stuff that God wants for you and that he put a desire for in your heart. And that's over here on the other side. And what's happened is, is that Christians have helped you do this, but we're mixing the two because yes, your sense of your personal self-worth needs to come from the fact that God made you and he loves you and he's accepted you just the way you are. Okay. That's, that is where that needs to come from. And the fact that your family and your friends love you, that's all great. But that doesn't mean that you're not allowed to want the things that you want, that you actually want and that God made you to want. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you wanting uh, to be married, to want a man in your life, to want a family, and all the wonderful stuff that comes with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That's good and healthy and holy and biblical and the whole thing. One thing that's interesting is actually in the scriptures, before sin ever came into the world, when Adam, like, like God made Adam and uh, there he is in the perfect paradise. There was only one thing before sin into the world. There was only one thing that God said was not good. And that was that Adam, he said the man was alone and it was not good. Um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to be pursued. You said, I want to be pursued, loved and proposed to by a godly man. That's all right on. Absolutely. You should want that. And this thing shouldn't, shouldn't the love of Jesus be enough for me? No, no, go for what you want. God wants that for you, and and there's nothing wrong with you wanting it. But I think what we're doing here is we're mixing up this idea between where do I get my sense of self-worth, and are there good and healthy, godly things that God wants for me? Totally, Jed. Well, darling, um, uh, we love you, and we believe in you, and I'm really, really sorry that that you're hurting, and I'm sorry that people have implied to you that um, your pain is the result of sin in your life, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what's being communicated to you. Um, I, I think it might be worth understanding kind of where this came from. Uh, this this all has to do with you, but let's pull the camera back for a second. Um, most people who are in ministry, uh, we were talking about this right before we started recording. Most people who are in ministry are woefully unqualified to do that job. Um, that's not because they don't know Bible. Um, it's because they don't know how to help other human beings. 
Um, uh, and just got, that's and that's we're not saying that's their fault. There's really no mechanism for them to actually be trained how to do this. Exactly right. Exactly right. Most most church pastors, most youth pastors, most worship leaders, if they were honest, if you gave them truth serum, um, you know, and said, how qualified do you feel? Um, to do uh, this ministry work, they would just burst into tears. Right is is how that would play out. Yeah. Um, uh, they don't feel qualified at all, and right. and they and they're not. I mean, this right. this is the important thing is they they don't know what they're doing. So here's what happens. Here's why I tell you that is that <clears throat> they run into things like, for example, you are a part of a generation of uh, young people where almost no one is dating um, right. within the church, and um, so, and there's a lot of problems as a result of that. There's a ton of loneliness. There's, you know, a lot of kind of sexual dysfunction that grows out of that. There's a lot of relational problems when people do get together, come out of that. And you have people who are church pastors um, looking at that, trying to figure out what do I say to it. <coughs> and they have people coming to them with counseling appointments saying, I don't know what to do. What do you think I should do? Uh, and again, w- what am I supposed to say to this? And the thing is, um, about 99 out of 100 church pastors don't have any idea what to say to this at all. Right. That's not to say they don't have a heart to say something helpful. They really do. But they don't have any idea at all what to say. Right. And, and they feel really bad about themselves because of that. Um, you know, uh, there's just a sense of, you know, I'm supposed to be the guy. It's kind of like being the doctor and people are coming to you with mystery illnesses you don't know how to cure. I mean, that would really mess with your head. And it does for a lot of these pastors. And then one day it occurs to you, what if you just use a little guilt? Yeah. You know, that, you know, <laughs> for so a lot of them, that's that's just their best guess. Sure. What to, what's the right thing? Absolutely. I, I hear that a lot. So you have a counseling appointment. A gal comes in and says, I'm 25. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have any prospects for a boyfriend. I'm so lonely. I, I hate this. I hate that. Everything feels horrible. What, what do I do? And in that pastor's head, there's a thought, Susie, shouldn't God be enough? Yep. Mm. Exactly right. I'm just going to float that out there. Shouldn't God be enough? That just it's, sounds so holy right it there. It sounds really holy right. and pastorly, right. which is key, because yeah. I'm feeling bad about my job performance I, here. I can't be wrong. Can't be wrong. Shouldn't God be enough? Yeah. And then Susie nods her head and goes, wow, yeah, <laughs> that mm, that makes sense. But the problem now is we have kind of like an infection. We have this lie that has now gone out into the world. Right. Because when one of Susie's friends has a hard time and she's feeling lonely, Susie says, well, you know what I think about sometimes is shouldn't God be enough? And then Jenny goes, wow, yeah. that, that sounds really godly. And before yeah. you know it, it's spread around. There's a bunch of people kind of buying into something. But where it came from, this is my point, where it came from is a dude who didn't know what he was doing Right. trying to solve a problem he didn't know how to solve and just tossing something out there because yeah. maybe this is something. Just a guess. It's just a guess. Yeah. Maybe a guy with a book deal who didn't know what he was doing. Maybe uh, a guy with a book deal. Yeah, absolutely. Here's here's what I think we want to look at. First of all, and I tell you that long thing, and I appreciate you bearing with me. I, I tell you that long thing to tell you as weighty as that guilt feels in your head, because I know it does, that sense of God should be enough and I'm so wrong that he's not enough. It's eggshell thin. If you poke that guilt at all, if you drag it out into the light, it collapses completely. You need food and oxygen every day in order to keep living, whether you're a Christian or not. Um, you, You need a job that provides a paycheck so you can pay rent, whether you're a Christian or not. Having basic needs is a part of life, and you know that. You you don't need anyone to tell you that. I think here's the thing that I want to land on, and I'll throw it back to Matt, is um, why do I feel so tempted to feel guilty about my desires. Because this is a flimsy lie. Yeah. Um, uh, Lee broke down the biblicality of it. I'm just telling you, you drag it out in the light, there's nothing to it. You, you, you need stuff every day. God is not enough in that you need to eat every day. So right. that's, just, that's right. just life. But I think the thing you want to start asking, start digging into is, why am I so eager to believe my desires are bad? Why, why is it so easy for me to feel guilty about wanting something that God calls good? Is there something in there where I feel like maybe it's God doesn't have good things for me? Maybe I don't deserve to have good things. Maybe I don't deserve to have good relationships. Because if we can start answering those questions, we'll actually be doing some really, really good work in our spiritual life. Amen. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I, um, this, I don't get any of this. <laughs> Uh, here's That's the th- not the NyQuil talking. That's always been his position. Yeah, I mean, 
why are you campaigning this way? In other words, you're saying, I want to be pursued, loved, and proposed to by a godly man. Okay. Then why are we trying to make something else be true? If that's not what you want, I mean, at least campaign for what you want. I mean, I'm always <laughs> looking for loopholes and whatever I can get yeah. to get what I want done. Right. You're, you're trying to trying to take the thing you want and trying to find out how it might be bad. Um, and it turns out it isn't, but you, you're, you're searching long and hard enough to find somebody who's telling you that it is like, like what Jed's saying here. Uh, I don't know why you're looking for a way out of that. Uh, here's, here's what the Bible says is that God should be your first love. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say he should be your only love. Right. This says that God should be your first love. And here's the thing about that is that's actually not true for a whole big ton of Christians. Yeah. who are single or married, whichever, whatever, whatever, you know, they, there's a lot of Christians out there that, that where God is not their first love. There's a lot of people in re, male, female relationships where they're dating or they're engaged or they're about to be married or maybe early in their marriage where God has absolutely nothing to say about any of it. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, God has no voice in that whatsoever because they have followed a formula along the lines of what Jed was saying, where, you know, some book or some pastor, or some dude, whatever said, you know, here are all the ingredients to the perfect Christian marriage. Woo, woo, woo. So you took that and you you ticked all those boxes. Now you said, boom, we're guaranteed to have a perfect Christian marriage. And a formula that, if we're going to be honest, isn't really based on anything. Yeah, it's just, just, it's just a guess. Yeah, you know, made up uh, ingredients. Sounds Christian. Yeah, you, you, you did all that and say, now we're going to have a, a, a perfect Christian marriage. Uh, that is not at all how any relationship works in the universe. This is not how these things go. So... Um, uh god being your first love should it, it uh, once he's in that position there should be no doubt and no question about anyone else entering that sacred space not your church not your family not your pastor not anybody else you and god need to have that kind of bond where it's never even a thought it's never even a question in fact any guy that wants to date you you ought to tell him the same thing i told my wife when we were dating, God is number one. You are number two. And when I say number two, I mean a far distant second. And believe this, you step one little pinky toe in between me and my relationship with God. There is going to be an immediate, quick and fast end to this relationship. That's going to be it. The end. And, of course, my wife expressed the same exact sentiment back to me. And this is how we knew we were, we were in good shape moving forward. Here's the thing that God's saying about uh, him being our, our first love is that he's going to give us love that we then will share with other people. Yes. What you're missing in this situation is, um, I mean, you know you have a desire. Okay, that's fine. And your desire is, you know, as Lee's saying, a normal human desire. That's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But if you want to supersize the spirituality of this thing, then figure out what it is that God, what what a truly godly Christian marriage is all about, uh, in the sense that imagine taking the love that you have for God and the love that He has for God, and then then God gives love to both of you, and then you sharing that with each other. <coughs> Excuse me. Imagine being able to serve one another and love one another and equip one another to empower one another that, so that the two of you are like um, uh, uh, constantly feeding into each other's lives and building one on top of the other, just sort of leapfrogging as you both grow and move forward. This is a, an amazing, powerful team that you can create together. Uh, and that's part of the desire that God's given you for a relationship is to have all of this stuff happen together. Why would you cheat yourself by not going out and pursuing that? Why would you try and find some way for that to not be the case? If you can find a godly man and the two of you can serve the Lord better together and have a better walk together than you could separately, why would you try and talk yourself out of it, for heaven's sake? <laughs> uh, but all of these people are giving you advice based on uh, avoiding the wrong thing. None of these people have said, here's the right thing for you to pursue. And how do I know that? Because nowhere in this is, I want to achieve this good thing. 
and uh, and I'm not sure how to do it. That's not what you're putting in this question. What you're putting in this question is all the things that hey, shouldn't God be number one? If I if I love someone else, that must mean I automatically love God less. What that makes no sense whatsoever. This is not how love works. You know, this is not. You can't. You know, whatever. The 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 thing that the Lord is trying to show us is that He wants to us to get into a relationship where we can share that love together, where we can help each other grow and be a benefit to one another. And that is not what a lot of Christian marriage is actually all about. It is about trying to follow these formulas that don't work and trying to have the perfect Christian marriage, whatever, when it's really about how to build that relationship and grow it and work on it. That's an absolutely great point. All right, if you have a question for us, you can reach us at saythatpodcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you write into our Tumblr to make sure you get your question answered on the podcast, just write specifically that it's for the podcast. All right, just remember, missionusa.com slash bridgebox or missionusa.com slash bbly. Those are both our bridgebox and our special Lee Younger branded bridgebox. If you sign up in the month of December, you'll get a free six-song Christmas EP with a lot of good stuff from Jed and Lee. That's only $8 a month. Both of those money goes to support the ministry that we do in our respective cities. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Brought to you by Polite Christian Zombies. Ha, 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 ha.